Dan, 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 the podcast. Oh, yes, yes. Episode 55. Hello again, Wack Nation. Thank you again for tuning in. My name is Tim Hunter. I've uh, got a few goodies I've dug out of the archives for you this week. Uh, the anniversary was actually at the end of February, but the last big shaker we had here in Seattle was called the Nisqually Earthquake. We're going to take you back to the one-year anniversary of that quake on the Murdoch Hunter and Alice show. Then we've got a couple of appropriate interviews. One featuring the late Doris Roberts, who passed away this week, back when she was pushing one of her Lifetime or Hallmark movies. And last week, I also had the chance to see and listen to author J.A. Jance. Now, those of you who know her, love her. Those of you who don't, need to find her. Her life story, totally amazing, and a testament to sticking with what you want to do. She had all kinds of reasons to not become a writer who sold 20 million copies. She had an abusive, alcoholic husband in a world that said women couldn't write crime novels. So, got that coming up for you as well, along with a movie trailer. But first, here's a bit that Alice, Brian the producer, and yours truly put together as part of our demo tape when we were shopping around for a new radio home to land in. Something we called the Guy Panel. Okay, our phone number here at Mix 92.5 is one eight six six mix 9250 That's the, the number to call if you have a question that you've always wanted to know the answer to, that mystery about guys. Why do they do that? Why do they not do that? Uh, quickly introducing our panel of experts today, and they're experts because they're guys. Right. First off, 20-something and single Brian the producer. Hey, Brian. Hello. Uh, we have 30-something John. John, what do you do for a living? I work in a cannery. Good. That's a good place to work. Excellent. And over there we have uh, representing 40-something uh, Jim. Hey, Jim. Hi. Hi, you're, everybody. You're a carpenter. Yes. Yes. Good. Pull I your don't. pants up. <laughs> All right. That's uh, plumbers have that oh, bad Yeah, well, he's breaking new ground for the carpenters. Well done. All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, Alice, you have a question through the email. I do. I got an email from Catherine, and this is a question I can relate to as well because my husband, Sean, is very guilty of this. She writes... My husband never picks up his socks and shoes. They, I find them lying around the front room, the bathroom, the bedroom, all over the house. What is up with that? Okay, and of course now, here come the guys with their response. Uh, we'll start with you, Brian, the producer. Well, it's... It's more just the uh, convenience, so I just, you know, disrobe real quick. Mm. But I always pick up right afterwards, so I'll go ahead and disrobe, and then take a shower, and then come back. I'm so. calling your mother. Disrobe. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you have your blinds closed, I oh. hope, right? <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm free. All right, uh, 30-something John, why do guys leave stuff laying around? Uh, because it's they don't know where to put it. You know, they're putting things in a hamper or a... Isn't that always the trouble? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay, it's just no. easier. Plus, you're usually going to intending on wearing it again. You can sure. wear a pair of socks two, three, four, five days. Oh, You what? put it in a drawer, yeah. it wrinkles. Yeah. You know, if you leave it out, it, it freshens it. That's right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going with that. Uh, yeah, 40-something Jim, why do guys leave clothes laying around? I can't talk for these other guys, but, I, you know, the, the wife is well-trained, and we have ah! certain jobs. Okay, she, there we go. She does her job. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, well, I hope uh, I hope our listener who wrote in, <laughs> Alice is hitting Jim for yes, you. I am. Okay, Thank let's you. go to the phones now. We have uh, Karen standing by. Hi, Karen. Hello. You got a question for the guy panel? Yeah, I do. I'm curious. Why do guys always scratch their crotches? What is that about? 
Oh, fantastic um, question! I am so uncomfortable right, when right, I hey, when hey. I when I see that. Well, let's yeah. find out. Uh, starting right. with you, Brian, the producer. I think first it depends on the undergarment. So if you're talking about briefs, then I think there is a little more scratching. But I personally do not scratch. I think it's very impolite. I must say, I've never seen you scratch. Well, that's because I don't. Okay. Okay. Thirty something, John. Well, I think girls do too, but they just do it when people aren't looking. That's the point, though. I mean, we are the You're at least discreet about it. Okay. <laughs> we don't care if you look. You and uh, 40-something Jim, who's actually scratching himself right now. Um, well, there's two reasons for me. You know, Carpenter, there's something that's getting down there. Number two, if you put your, your underwear on the floor and the wife keeps standing on it, there's going to be some reason why you're scratching. <laughs> We're back to that again. And I, I, frankly, Karen, I think it's because all guys secretly want to be baseball players. Oh, is that what it is? And they scratch right there. Well, just don't touch me after you do it. Okay. No kidding. All right, we'll wash our hands. Very nice. All right, well, thank you for the question, Karen. If you have any questions for our guy panel, uh, you can send Alice an email on our website, mix925.com, or uh, give us a call here at Mix. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, all for helping out and shedding a little more light. Does this look like a rash to you? Quit scratching <laughs> there. For the wacky I'm speaking directly into the microphone. <clears throat> it's early morning. I haven't had quite <laughs> enough coffee. Not nearly enough. And I'm over here talking like this. And we've got J.A. Jance in the studio. And you've got uh, Judy. I heard somebody call you Judy. Well, but in public, I really am J.A. Jance. Okay. Uh, the, that's, that's the name brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sure. If you called Ajax something else, then nobody would know you were talking about cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I was, uh, I got on a Delta flight. We went back and dropped my son off in Boston to go to school. Whoa. And uh, there in the Delta magazine was an excerpt from Exit Wounds. Yes, my new book. Yeah, how about that? I mean, that, that's got to be a great deal because you think of travelers and how much time they sit in the plane, they're looking for something to do, and all of a sudden well, there's exit wounds, not at least just, enough to whet the appetite. Not just the time they're stuck in the plane, but the time they're stuck in airports because mm. of security. There's 9-11 has instituted a lot of dead time for, for lots of people, and mm. actually it's good for... People who write books with no socially redeeming value whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> because, because books are to beguile the time, and there are a lot of people who travel who need their time beguiled right now. Mm-hmm. Now, you're doing a lot of traveling. You're getting out and about, and, and you're going back into hurricane country soon? Or? <laughs> well, that's the deal. Um, I've been watching Isabel with some mm-hmm. trepidation because we're supposed to be at a conference this weekend in in Georgia, on Jekyll Island, Georgia. And the word island and Isabel are sounding sort of like a bad idea to me, but then I'm a girl from the desert. I don't know anything about hurricanes. <laughs> now, you're from you're from the uh, southwest, but you, you came up here for a while. And you do you maintain, like, residence in both, or are you pretty much yes, a southwest we, girl? Yes, we, we're practicing snowbirds, although we still haven't achieved proper sequencing because we seem to spend a lot of summers in Tucson, which is is wrong. But we do have have homes in both places, and we do bounce back and forth. We have a home home in Tucson, but our children and our three granddaughters – actually, we have four granddaughters now. We just haven't seen the one who will be coming from China sometime within the next next two months. So she is – 10 months old right now, and our daughter and son-in-law hope to have her home in time for her first birthday on November 12th. Congratulations. Thank you. On Columbus Day. 
She is. She is. No, no. Columbus Day is October. Oh, October. November. I'm jumping ahead Hello. of my. <laughs> I'm heading. I'm just in a rush here. But we're all really, we're all really, really tall people, and I'm sure Audrey Lynn is going to feel as though she's landed what? in the <laughs> land of the giants. That's funny. So, Exit Wounds is book number twenty-eight. Oh my gosh. I've just, my little fingers have been very busy for the last 20 years. So 28, so is 29 in the works and 30 20, in the works, or do you work on one at a time? Or 29 is written. I've just completed the copy editing for number 29. It'll mm-hmm. be out next July. And uh, I'm starting thinking about number 30, but I haven't written it yet. I haven't written a word of 30 yet. So you do one at a time, not start working on this project and wander over to this project? or No, I, no. I can't do that. Although I'm usually juggling three books in that I'm promoting one book, oh, editing sure, another, sure. and creating a third. So I've oh, just geez. done the copy editing for Day of the Dead, which will be the third in my series of thrillers, Hour of the Hunter, Kiss of the Bees, and then Day of the Dead. Uh, but by the time they send me the galleys, the galley proofs for that book for me to work on, at that point, I'll be in the process of writing number 30, which should be another Detective Beaumont book. So now you're doing all this stuff, the traveling and the books and the talks and the, all that. When is the writing time? Is it the first thing in the morning? Is it late in the day? Oh, the writing doesn't happen while I'm on tour. I just I can't write while I'm on tour. That's just not really? writing and touring and and being out in public required two very different kinds of energy. And I just, I, I found out through bitter experience that I can't do both of them at once. So the writing has to happen when I'm not touring. And, and when, you, when, when, when you're I at am, home? When I am writing, I don't skip any days. When I start writing a book, I write on that book every single day until the book is done. Because if I walk away from it, I lose track of what the characters were saying or doing. Uh, they tend to drink three cups of coffee in the course of, of uh, three lines of dialogue. That's a bad idea. <laughs> and so, so I have to keep really connected to the story I'm creating at the time I'm doing it. When I'm editing, editing has to be done in big chunks of time. When I'm ed- editing, I'll probably work for 10, 12 hours at a time. When I'm writing, I write every day, but probably only for four or five hours a day because it's harder work starting a book than it is finishing it. And while I'm trying to think up how things are going to come together, I don't get many words on paper, well, in the computer, because I don't know where the story is going. But once I get on track, then I can write for longer periods because then then I'm headed to the barn, as it were. So I'm, I'm, I'm writing a movie or trying to write a movie, and so it's, I'm fascinated to hear how this is going. So when you're writing the book, you know where you're going and you're filling in the gaps, or you're writing it as you go along and you, you, you take the characters and everything where you want them to go as you think of it. I write murder mysteries. So when so already- I... When I start a book, I usually start with somebody dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I spend the rest of the book trying to figure out who killed that person and how come. I hardly ever know who the killer is at the beginning of the book. I usually don't find that out until the end. I I met outlining in Mrs. Watkins' sixth grade geography class 
I hated outlining then. I hate it now. Um, I have a terminal fear of Roman numerals. And if you can't do Roman numerals, that's you can't great. outline. <laughs> I'm glad to hear this because I haven't. And, I, you know, that's one of those rules where people think you need to do is outline things and where you're going. And I've been basically doing the developing as I go along. You can always go back and rewrite. I think there are I, – I know writers who outline and who wouldn't start a book until they had – an outline totally done. I just, I can't work that way. That's not me. But the wonderful thing about writing is it's a job that can be done by whoever's doing the job. The person running the fingers is the person who gets to decide Mm -hmm. how it's done. Okay, years and years ago, you and it's been a few years, you wrote about the uh, the Mix 92.5 Teddy Bear Patrol and, and incorporated it into one of your books and even had a thanks very much. It was actually in my first hardback Detective Beaumont. I wrote nine original paperback Beaumonts. Mm-hmm. And then number 10, without due process, mm-hmm. was the Teddy Bear Patrol Beaumont. My daughter was in high school here in Bellevue, and she heard about it on the radio because you were her radio station. Mm-hmm. And she said, Mom, you know, you write these books in in Seattle, and you really need, this is something real. You need to put this in. So we found out about the Teddy Bear Patrol, and I did put it in because that's the other thing about being a writer. I get to put stuff in the books I like or stuff I'm interested in or stuff I think is important. And so I put the Teddy Bear Patrol in, and I've had, I was told by police officers in Everett that they used their teddy bear, patrol teddy bear, to help a despondent man who was threatening suicide. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard from people all over the country who are interested in the teddy bear patrol and want to know about it. A couple of years ago, I personally was going through a tough time. And I went to the post office one day and it said I had a package, and I picked it up from the from the counter, and it was from somebody I didn't know. And so I opened it up, and inside was this wonderfully soft purple plaid teddy bear, and the woman who sent it said that she hadn't known about the teddy bear patrol until she read my book. Her hobby was now making teddy bear patrol teddy bears, and she just had a feeling I needed one. And I'm telling you, the day I received my teddy bear patrol teddy bear, I did need one, and I I was very grateful to have it. Well, we thank you for your support all these years. It's been great. And congratulations on your success. It's so neat to see. I'm a big fan of seeing people doing what they like to do, you love what you do, and you're having a great time at it. I was with a number of, well, we do charity auction dinners. At least we have in the past, but we're, we're sort of booked up with charity auction mm-hmm. dinners. We're still trying to pay off last year's charity auction dinners. <laughs> and uh, this year, the other night, we had a number of people who came. I had never met them before. A, a charity auction dinner is, my husband cooks a wonderful dinner, and six people show up, and it's Sort of like a blind date. Okay, sure. But of of the six women there, four had recently retired. And they were talking about 
how weird it is to suddenly not be doing what they've always done. And I'm sitting there looking at these women and realizing that several of them are younger than I am, and they're retired. And I'm thinking, I don't want to retire. <laughs> no, no. I, my husband says that they'll probably have to pry the computer keyboard away from my gnarled hands when it's time for me to be booted up upstairs to the great editorial room in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> You'll go kicking and screaming. Probably, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Do you like interviews, comedy bits, and radio clips from the past? Well, I've got a show that you'll want to hear. It's Tim Hunter's Wacky Week Podcast. Tim Hunter's Wacky Week Podcast. Yeah, Tim Hunter's Wacky Week Podcast. He came from a faraway place. Hell yeah. A cute little fellow with sky blue eyes, Jurassic skin, and teeth out to here. Hey, how you doing, little guy? I'm hungry. And all he was looking for was someone he could be close to. Well, I'll be your friend. Close enough to call dinner. Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. <laughs> Steven Spielberg presents E.T. Rex. New from Murdoch and Hunter Films, rated PG as source. Well, you're going to be hearing about it all day long. It's the one-year anniversary of the big Nisqually earthquake. 35 miles south-southwest of Seattle, out, uh, out by Olympia. It was a, a 6.8 magnitude earthquake. So very, very deep, which is why we didn't have way more damage. Uh, lasted 40 seconds, almost three-quarters of a minute. A 6.8 magnitude earthquake. Uh, and uh, if you were in a modern building... Uh, you know, you 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 got the ride of your life. No, kidding. they're all designed to swing and sway, and oh mercy, lordy mercy, did they ever! I remember picturing in my mind the rubble and me crawling through it. Uh. <laughs> I have that whole mental picture just right there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you were around and rode through it, you have uh, indelible memories of the Big Nisqually earthquake one year ago today. Well, we remember it so well because we had it on tape. We actually had a tape machine yeah, rolling. Yeah. In the building. That's going to happen at a when it, when it hit. Yeah, right, here's it, like this. Here's the tape. Hi, this is Tim. Hey, it's Bruce. What are you doing? Oh, just sipping on coffee. Um, working on a bit. Yeah, okay. Wow. Oh, it feels like an earthquake. Wow. Hey, how are you shaking? How are you shaking? How are you shaking? Oh, wait. Here comes the news guy, Jim Campman. Who's that on the phone? Oh, it's Bruce. How are you shaking? How are you shaking? Uh, Murdoch, Hunter, and Alice. This is all for the sake of art, right? Fun in the morning. And the people here are so nice. On Mix 92.5. You're listening to Tim Hunter's Wacky Week Podcast. Ooh, yeah. Right now, we want to say good morning to Doris Roberts from Everybody Loves Raymond and so many other things. Hi, Doris. Hi. Hi. Oh, Mom. I, you just feel like a mom. I know. You do. I, see you, I, can just, I see you, and I, I sense a, a casserole in your hand right now. 
<laughs> From Everybody Loves Raymond, we love you on that. Although I have to, I have to tell one of Tim Hunter's dirty little secrets. He loves you most for your appearance in one of his favorite movies, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we, we kick off our holiday season every year uh, on Thanksgiving Day by putting that thing on and watching it again. Uh- Really? Yeah. Fantastic. Again and again and again. And Doris, you are busy these days. You've got a Hallmark Channel project with Dana Delaney. Tell us a little about that. Oh, it's wonderful. It's called A Time to Remember, and it's this Sunday, November 23rd, on the Hallmark Channel. And uh, it's a story of a family, and it's a story about a character that I play that it's quite unlike anything you've ever seen me do. Oh, wow. I play, um, it's very dramatic. It has, it's not the crazy funny lady that I play on Everybody Loves Raymond at all. Um, and it's a woman who has the early stages of Alzheimer's. Oh, dear. And it's about family and how we don't communicate with each other and how we hold grudges and petty peeves that fill our lives with anger and resentment and instead of love. And uh, It's a great story. Just and in time for the for holidays. The holidays, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, 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 will, it'll, it can be very helpful and thoughtful and uh, uh, not only entertaining, but uh, informative. And uplifting. Do you get to slow down during the holiday season, get together with family and stuff, or are you I working, work, do. and work? Oh, you do. Good for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you do? You... I have three grandchildren. Oh, oh wow. So I get together with my son and daughter-in-law, my three grandchildren. Grandkids are great because you get to just spoil them rotten. Oh, I do, I do. And then send him home. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I just wanted to say congratulations. You've had such a long and successful uh, career in Hollywood. Not easy for anybody, but especially women. Uh-huh. So, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Are, are you still enjoying Everybody Loves Raymond? You've been I'm having the, the best time. time. Oh, good. I good. love going to work and have I laugh and have a great time. Well, that's been going on for how many seasons now? Eight. Eight. And, you know, when it started, you knew it right away, didn't you? Because that, that ensemble, that cast oh, is just Oh, it was fabulous. Incredible. And the writing is so good. Yeah. And it's just all really terrific show. Oh, you know, and your work man. is so excellent on the show. And it's been recognized with uh, Emmys in 2001, 2002, and 2003. You're getting a little embarrassed about making that trek up there? No, I'm looking for number four. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Doris Roberts, we love you as oh, uh, nice. the mom on Everybody Loves Raymond. Looking forward to your Hallmark Channel special. Also for the holidays, uh, your memoir, Are You Hungry, Dear, is out there in, uh, in bookstores and climbing the Great for Christmas presents. Bestseller Excellent. list. Is there a casserole recipe in there? <laughs> it is. <laughs> All, good. All kinds of good stuff. Excellent. Okay. Oh, okay. We, somebody asked us to ask you about your puppy in jail. What's that mean? Puppies behind bars. Yeah. Oh, it's an organization that's wonderful. It's uh, yeah, Money's put up for the upkeep of a puppy for 15 months, and it's given to a prisoner in jail. And uh, that person takes care of it and, and trains it. At the end of that time, um, 15 months, it's, tr- it's tested as a, for a seeing-eye dog. And if it, it does pass it, it becomes a seeing-eye dog. Or not, it goes to a senior home for citizens. Well, that's fabulous. How do Wonderful. we find out more about this organization? Puppies Behind Bars. Okay. In New York. Puppies behind the is the, the headquarters. Well, okay. thank you. You've, you've, you've opened, a, opened uh, a window for us this morning. I appreciate that very much. Great. Yeah, she was Raymond's mother, but also Clark Griswold's mother-in-law. And that happens every Christmas in our house. Doris Roberts. We will miss her. Okay, that's it for this week. I'm Tim Hunter. I sure appreciate you stopping by and giving this a listen. Do so again next week. But until then, one simple request. Laugh a little, would you?